she manages 15 employees, 1,200 baby calves, and 700 maternity cows, and she's just 24 years old. Stick around to hear more about this exceptional young manager on the Uplevel Dairy Podcast. This is the Young Leaders Series for producers and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers, and you can find it right here on the Uplevel Dairy Podcast, as well as its own platform, Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders. I'm Peggy Coffin, and it's my mission to connect you with others who are like you, driven to make a difference and determined to do it in the dairy industry. Whether you are on the farm or in the field, this is the place to plug in to hear how your peers are overcoming challenges and stepping up to lead the way as dairy's future innovators, decision makers, and movers and shakers. If you know someone in the first five years of their dairy career, send them a link to the show that's created just for them. Our up-level dairy young leader today is Madison Buss, calf and maternity manager at Minnesota-based United Dairies. The Ohio native didn't grow up in a dairy, but learned to love it. And while her path was originally to become a large animal veterinarian, an internship with a calf raiser prompted a change of heart and a change of direction that led her to Alexandria, Minnesota, to a position where she can't wait to get out of bed every day. The perfect combination of being hands-on with calves and cows, working with people, and being part of a culture that supports her and being successful as a young manager at United Dairies. Find out how she is forging her path in a field that some people actually discouraged her from pursuing and why she loves giving baby calves with birth abnormalities a chance to thrive. Enjoy this conversation with our up-level dairy featured young leader, Madison Buss, Cap and Maternity Manager at United Dairies. Tell me a little bit about you, Madison. You know, I didn't grow up on a dairy farm. A lot of my dad's side of the family are all farmers. I ended up going to college with the intention of becoming a large animal vet. And then I got got a couple internships, one at a vet's office, one at a calf raiser. And, you know, I loved my calf raising job and a vet job. I hated going to work. I could not get out of bed in the morning to go to work. And I had no motivation to do that job but meanwhile the the calf raising job i could get up at four o'clock in the morning and be ready to go ready to start my day and the more i did both jobs the more i realized that you know i really like to do the vet type stuff but i don't want to just go where i needed do it and then never have any follow-up to what i've done so getting to work with a calf raiser, if I was treating an animal, I didn't just treat the animal and leave. I got to see, you know, every little part of how that animal recovered, if they did, how well they did. Yeah, I like to do the cool veterinary type stuff, but I really want to follow through with it. And that really became what you were able to identify as the game changer for you. I mean, think about that experience where, like you said, it was hard to find the motivation to go to work every day when you were doing the sole veterinary work. But when you were in a position with the calf ranch where you could really, as you said, see through your work and the progress and the difference that it was making, what difference did that make for you? It made a huge difference because when, you know, I was working at the clinic and I was just taking care of what needed to be taken care of. I, I knew I had done what I needed to, but I never knew if it had meant anything to do what I had needed to do, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So here you are 
almost 25 years old, 24 and a half. And you went in the last few years from going to school and pursuing a path that started out on a veterinary track and then had this experience at a calf ranch that gave you this whole different meaning and satisfaction in how you could see applying your skills and your passion and your knowledge in a way that really made a difference that you could see and notice and measure and be a part of all the way from start to finish. And so, okay, so you had that experience and how did that take you to where you're at right now with United Dairies? So United Dairies is a combination of four different dairies kind of scattered in like an hour radius in Minnesota. A big part of the kind of culture that we've adapted to is taking care of things. I met with Stephen first. Stephen is my manager for United Dairies. I met with him first. Not only, you know, did he offer me a job and do an interview with me without even being asked to interviewed my fiance because he knew how important it was for both of us to have work. So that was a big thing that made me think, I really, really like this guy. And I, I think I'd like to work for him. I guess I would say he just, he showed that he cared. He knew we were moving 13 hours away from where we had been. So he was more than happy to provide support for us, give us the time that we needed. Steven knew my fiance didn't have a job lined up out here yet. And it, he just took that initiative to help us out and offer him a position. And I've had a lot of really good managers in my life and I've had a really good, terrible managers in my life. So I think that helped a lot for when I met Steven, it was easy for me to know, hey, this is one of the good ones. Going back to what you had just shared, Madison, you could tell he cared. He cared not just about filling a, a spot and position on the team. He cared about you. He cared about your fiance and the bigger picture of what it would take to provide an opportunity for you and to be able to bring you in to do your role at United Dairies. And now just take a moment. What are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced in your role? And just in general, as a young professional in the dairy industry. When I think about it, two things come to mind. The first one kind of isn't necessarily in this job, but it relates pretty heavily. So when I was originally looking for a farm to start my career in, a lot of the problem that I ran into was older farmers who seemed they, you know, they had the cry out there for help. But more than once in speaking to, you know, these farmers who needed help and this, my older generation, I got a lot of, why do you want to do this? Are you sure? Like, why would you want to spend your life doing this? It's an interesting it response. Just, it blew me away that it's, you know, these people are wanting help. They're looking for help, but then younger generations coming and looking to help them and that that's what they really want to do and their response is to kind of question why that's what they want to do so i had a really hard time with that it it bothered me for a while that a good portion of the people i was speaking to were really questioning why i wanted to do this mm -hmm. and for a while it, it kind of it got to me and it made me question why i wanted to do this and then, you know, I, I started to sit down and think, 
Why does it matter whether they don't understand? Now, if this is what I want to do, why does it matter whether they judge me or not for wanting to do it? So you said that was one challenge that definitely came up. Was there another one too that comes to mind? Adjusting. Um, Like I I said, I am a small young woman and I, I learned a lot before I came out here, but learning about it and then the, you know, the calf raiser I worked for was significantly smaller here. We had maybe 500 calves ranging in all ages. Here we have six, 700 maternity cows and 1200 calves. So it was definitely a big adjustment going from what I, what was a smaller calf raising and school to this big, large operation. Um, and it really did for a while. I was like, this is exhaust. Can I do this? Am I capable of doing this? Because it was a matter of retraining my body that this is going to take a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did struggle with it for a while of, you know, it took me a while to really actually fall into the manager position. For a while there, I was just learning what the guys were doing, following around and helping them where I could. And it took me a while to really kind of fall into that and feel like a manager. So for a while there, I, I questioned myself quite a bit, but. Ooh. So when you talk about that adjusting and that questioning, a couple of things stick out from what you just shared. You know, one was your physical capability. You said you talked about retraining your body to be able to do that job and your mind at the same time, right? So skill set, mindset, and then also being able to integrate into the existing team and and become the manager of the employees. And so let's, let's break that out a little bit more too. So when you look at the skill set and the mindset that you could see it was going to take for you to step up into this higher level of leadership and responsibility, how did you train your body and your brain? I will not deny that I, I was kind of abusive when it came to training my body. I had that mindset of, I'm here to manage this team. I don't want to be a burden in the process of adjusting to managing this team. Mm -hmm. So I've got guys here who they've worked for the company for 10 plus years. So they're really good at their jobs and they're really fast. So my way of doing it was doing everything in my power every day to keep up and to not slow them down and to not inconvenience them. And that both, I'd say, helped with my body and my mindset because obviously I got strong enough to do it because I was forcing myself to be strong enough to do it. And that same kind of concept, you know, if it's like, I I don't want to slow them down. I want to be a good manager. And it was kind of my mantra for every day to push through and do what I had to do to adjust. And that's what got me through it is focusing on what I wanted to be. And here you were a young, very, pretty young person, what, probably 23 at the time. And you made the decision that you're going to, you were going to do your absolute best physically, mentally, and as a leader every single day, Madison, that's awesome. The other part of that was this integration into the team. And as you just said, part of your philosophy there was you wanted to make sure you kind of stayed out of the way in some respects of the folks that were doing this every single day. And as you said, not slow them down. And so I'm curious for you, I know you talked about your previous experiences, including raising calves, but managing calves and managing people are two very different things. So how have you learned to be a people manager? 
All right. Thankfully, have a lot of people that I can rely on for situations. And if I do run into a situation that I'm not quite sure, I haven't had experience with it. I have, you know, the manager who covered both of these places before I started. He's still right down the road. I can I can call him if I need to. Obviously, Stephen is a very wonderful boss. So if I've got something that I feel like I need to take even higher for the advice, I can call him whenever I need. Christy Pagel, she is a huge, huge, huge help to me. I meet with her on a regular basis. She's kind of like our HR training communications person. So a lot of that adjusting to managing people as well. I've relied on other people to kind of help me. If I don't know what I'm doing, I'm making a phone call and they're not doing it for me. They're advising me. And that's a big portion of, of how I've managed to kind of move into that mindset is knowing I have people who I can ask for advice if I need to. Yeah. So, it, so do you feel that you've been set up for success with the team around you, the management and the support system? I really do. I mean, I get every once in a while, if you know, Steven doesn't hear from me for a little while, he'll swing by, just check on things. He knows that for the most part, if I'm not calling him and on his phone every other day, we don't have a whole lot of huge issues here, but he still makes that effort to come in and check on things. And um, so does our, our dairy manager. Well, if he's heading to the shop, he'll swing in, ask how things are going, keep going. So they're not hovering, but they make their presence known and kind of re giving that reminder that, hey, if you need us, we're here for you. So do you look to replicate that in the way you lead your team? I do. I've got, so I've got a supervisor for each location and they know, hey, come to me with whatever, but it's not just with my supervisors. It's with my team as well. They know if, if something's going on at home, if they need some time off because something's happened, we're more than okay. I'm I'm okay with that. Come let me know if if you need a day off. Don't you don't even have to tell me why. Just let me know. Hey, I need the day off. Something's going on. Got you. We're done. Okay. That's all I needed to know. So when you think about the last year and a half or so of integrating into this new team and into a management role, it sounds like this action of I'm going to call it trust trusting in your team members. They're trusting in you that you do what you're going to say you're going to do. And so that that word trust really rises to the surface underneath what you've shared here. Do you think so too? I do. And I think it, I will admit it made it easier that they, this team has been here for years before I even started. So I knew for the most part that this team, if they weren't a phenomenal group, they would not still be here. So I didn't need to come in and rearrange things and start being distrustful because if they weren't to be trusted, they wouldn't be here. Another thing that really stands out to me, what you shared, Madison, and this saying that people don't leave jobs, they leave bad managers. And so in your situation, it doesn't sound like people left. They stayed during a management change. And change is also a time when people leave jobs. And so the kudos to you here is being able to see that there was a good team of people and carry them through that change of leadership and management. And so anything else that, that you can 
identify that you think was really instrumental in your ability to be able to keep a good, high-performing team through a management change? I think one of the biggest things is so all of these guys knew that when I came and started here, I had just graduated from college. I know a lot of them didn't get that opportunity to go to a big college like that. So when I started here, I got a lot of, if I'm not doing this right, if you know a better way to do this, tell me. And I noticed very quickly that most of the, the things that the guys do here did not need adjusting whatsoever. I think there was a kind of reluctance when I started as she may come in here and tell us to change everything and tell us we're doing everything wrong just because she's just graduated from school. And they gave me the opportunity to do that. But I noticed very quickly, these guys, they've got it down. I don't need to change a thing what they're doing. I gave them the opportunity to teach me things. And I've learned a lot from this team by being open to that and not just insisting that, hey, this is the way the university taught me. So it's the only way I'm going to do it. Oh, wow. So a level of humility that you've brought into this role has been pretty important in being able to gain that mutual trust and respect with the team. We talk about this word change. And so as you just shared, bringing in a lot of changes from the get-go, you knew right away was not going to be a constructive way to really integrate and step into your new role. But I'm curious, now that you have been in your position for a year and a half, going on two years here... Have there been some changes that you have been able to bring in and really usher through to see some positive results, whether it's with the people, the calves, or both? We've had a little bit of both. Calf-wise, it was honestly minor things. The guys did a really good job before I came, but we did shortly after I started, had a giant pneumonia outbreak out of nowhere. That fall was really wet, and it just, I noticed really fast that it seemed like no matter how we bedded everything, nothing stayed dry and we had a lot of standing water and there's a whole struggle there. I insisted we had a whole sit down with our vet, all the other managers or supervisor. And then I worked even closer with the team. I'm like, what do you think we could do that could help with this? Because my team is responsible for treatments and it's exhausting for them to have to spend half their day that they could be doing other things, treating pneumonias. We adjusted the vaccine schedule quite a bit to both make it easier on the guys and to not stress the calves out so much. We extended weaning dates. That made things a little more difficult for them, but they caught on really fast on, hey, this is helping quite a bit. These calves that are leaving the hutches are bigger and they're stronger and they're not getting sick as fast. And then last fall, put in concrete, sloped concrete to kind of, if we do have a wet fall like that again, instead of standing water, I'm just going to have nice little rivers flowing down the concrete. Keeps everybody drier, makes everything so much easier to handle. Yeah. So, so there's been some really positive changes that you've been able to bring into the operation and going back to even what you just shared about being able to see some of those results in the calves and that the team could see that in the health of the calves and the growth. And so do you, how do you celebrate with your team or how do you guys recognize the milestones and the progress? We do a whole, whole thing where we will cook cook lunch or dinner for the whole team, get a whole, like we do fajitas, and beans and, and rice and there's drinks. And we just, everybody sits down, has good time. 
Christmas bonuses are already always pretty significant. And I make an effort to, if they're doing something really well, not just throw them a party every once in a while. Make sure I'm telling them if they've done something amazing, I want to talk to them in that moment and let them know, hey, that was a great job. You did a great job. I'm really proud of you. And even something as little as acknowledging when they've done well, right when they've done well, has it's definitely boosted a lot. Mm, so that just that little that that effort. How much effort does it take to make such a positive change when you do go out of your way to tell someone that they did a good job in that moment? That doing so takes little to no effort. It's something that I've noticed. I'm like, why does this happen at more places? Because it, it's not difficult to, if you see your staff member do something amazing, to take that two seconds to pull them inside and be like, hey, great job. Because if your staff, and speaking from experience, if your staff does not feel appreciated, if they're constantly working as hard as possible, and you never say a word to them, and then just occasionally, every once in a while, you do some get-together to celebrate, they don't actually feel celebrated. Hmm. So it's more than just having a party. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about communicating with your, with your team. Is there a language barrier? There is quite a language barrier. My Spanish has gotten significantly better since I started. How much Spanish did you come in with? None. I came in with no Spanish. And I have maybe one or two guys that can speak English and that's it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So there's many of us that speak English as a first language that can hardly communicate with each other, right? (laughs) Right. So, so let's add a layer on top of this to say you're communicating, you come into new team and there's a communication barrier beyond the normal one that exists in the human population. And it's a language barrier. So how have you overcome that to continue to have a high performing team to continue to hit the marks that you want to see for growth and for advancement of the operation? So when I started, there was a lot of gesturing and phone typing. We have used Google Translate quite a bit since I started, but the manager who was here before me, who's still at the dairy, his name is Jeff, so I can stop referring to him as the manager. (laughs) He speaks very good Spanish. So a lot of the time, like if there's something that you are not, I was willing to kind of step back and let them communicate with him if it was something that they're not comfortable trying to gesture to me or type on their phones or I'm like, if it's just easier to, for the time being, communicate with him while I practice, we can do that. Uh Like, I'm not going to force you to type everything out on your phone on a regular basis. I've practiced a whole lot with my guys. As soon as they realized I was picking up on little words, they kind of really got into that adjustment of speaking to me in Spanish all the time and not trying to whip out their phone unless I really can't figure out what's going on. Is focusing on keywords a lot. I still understand it better than I can speak it. (laughs) But it was showing the effort that I was trying to learn and that I'm still trying to learn that really, I think, made them comfortable continuing to try to communicate with me, that they didn't just give up because I didn't understand because they could tell I was trying to learn. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like you have learned a lot in your role at United Dairies. (laughs) Including Spanish. Madison, you talked at the very beginning of our conversation about how originally 
You thought that veterinary medicine was a path you wanted to take, but then you realized that you could bring some of those type of skills into the type of role that you have now. And so what does that look like that you also get to do on a regular basis that pertains back to that particular skill set? I get to do quite a bit. So things like necropsies, for example, our vet is wonderful. She's super willing to let me watch. She explains everything she's doing if I do have to call her for something. So there's been a lot of things that she's come out once for, taken care of for us, and she hasn't had to come out again, which she both enjoys getting to see me learn and not having to come out to us all the time and take care of that stuff. But doing necropsies, I can, unless I'm sending in tissues, if I have to send in a tissue, the vet has to do it. But if I'm just trying to figure out why an animal has died, I can do that myself now. I don't have to make three phone calls to get somebody out to, to figure out why for me. Things like really difficult dystocias. We've had some cows with twisted uteruses. And that's a really hard thing to fix. And the first time I saw it, we all had to call. I mean, we had to call the vet. Nobody knew what to do. Since then, I've fixed three of them by myself, or not by myself. Obviously, my team is helping me because it's a very difficult thing to do alone, next to impossible to do alone. Uh, but since then, that's limited how many times I've had to call the vet because she taught me how to do that, and I know that I'm capable of doing it. So I still get to do those things that an average person would call the vet to take care of. I get to do that myself and then continue to monitor and make sure that cow had a really hard birth. Now I can keep watching her and make sure she's doing okay. I'm not just fixing it and dipping out. Yeah. And that goes back to what you shared in the beginning of our conversation. And that was being able to really follow through. And so you're able to see these success stories, whether it's a cow that had a tough birth and had a difficult situation that you've been able to get back to normal and, and see her go back into being a, a cow that can thrive in the herd. Madison, that's, that's so cool. I like to get really hands-on and I like to do this stuff that's a little out of the norm. And, you know, here I get to do that. Oh, so when you think about where you're at and how much you have learned, how much you continue to learn every single day, what advice would you like to give to 20-year-old Madison? If you could give yourself some advice, what would it be? Ignore everybody else. In school, a lot of the granted, most of my class was women. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of men in our group. The men were great. Um, no offense to most of the women. But it was a common thing where the, the people who grew up farming really just were kind of awful to the people who didn't get that opportunity. Mm. And they were, they had that know-it-all attitude. Nobody knows more than me because I grew up doing it. Um, so, and it I let it get to me for a good portion of school and it bothered me for a really long time. And so that would be my advice is just do what you want to do. Ignore everyone else. Who cares that you didn't get the opportunities they did? You're getting that opportunity now. That's some good stuff, Madison. And I don't care how old or young you are. I think it's something that we can all benefit from hearing. Thanks for dropping a little wisdom there. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you would like to, you'd like to share? Take that shot. Honestly, if you're listening and you're questioning it, just do it. I know that sounds so much simpler than it actually is, speaking from experience. But if this is what your heart is telling you to do, 
follow that. That my favorite quote to live by is if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So that that's a lot of what, and if it's not what you want to do, if you're listening to these podcasts because you can't decide and you're leaning the opposite way and like, maybe this isn't how I want to spend my life. That's okay. It don't care if you're a first generation farmer or you're nine generations in do it or don't like do what your heart is telling you to do. And that's what you've done. And it works. I am happy. I love my job. I love Ram. I love what I do. And, and that makes even the hardest days exponentially better. Thank you for listening to the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Podcast. You just heard from Madison Buss, Calves and Maternity Manager at United Dairies. Find these episodes on Uplevel Dairy Podcast as well as the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Podcast channel. And if you know anyone in their early dairy career, make sure to send them a link for the podcast that's made just for them. If you like these episodes and want to hear more, shoot me an email to Peggy at upleveldairy.com. And don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite listening platform. I'm Peggy Coffeen, and thank you for listening to the Uplevel Dairy Podcast.